I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the high for season five of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. The Connor and Smith Show. Um, how you doing? Just got home from Sleepy Hollow rehearsal. Yeah, and how did it go? Good. All the kids, um, all the kids had uh, improv and acting training tonight, gearing up for the way that we are going to stylize this production. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, today we are talking to Debbie Friedman. All right, Debbie Friedman. Uh, this is not just Debbie this weekend. It's going to be Debbie who went to SU, let's say before us, and then her daughter who went to SU after us. So it's a mother-daughter weekend, and I think it's a really special story to tell. Um, so we're going to get into it. We're going to take a quick break. Before we do, just wanted to let you know that we, uh, Matt Connor and Stephen Gregory Smith, as Connor and Smith, have launched our own Patreon page. It is a new thing for us. Steve, what's a Patreon page? It's basically a way to support us and our projects and get perks and inside information, behind the scenes video, merchandise, all kinds of stuff to keep you guys abreast of what we're doing to help support the projects we're doing. And it's already taken off with lots of fellow SU alums supporting us. We're really humbled and grateful for that. You can check that out. The link is in the description of this podcast. You can also go to Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com and search Connor with an E-R and Smith. Um, and we would be delighted if you uh, followed and supported us. It means so much to us and helps us get so much done that we uh, have been dreaming to do. And you get lots of perks out of it too. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Debbie! Hi, friend! How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm sitting here with my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, hey. co-host and husband. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? I am just dandy. Yes, it's so good to hear your voice. You as well, you guys. I've listened to a few of these. It is awesome what you guys are doing. Well, thank you so much. It's a lot of fun. It's been really cool, this SU... Uh, season has been very interesting um, getting perspective from people who were there like near the beginning even of the program mm -hmm. to to people you know closer to the finish line recently um, and I, I you know what I, I can I, cover the whole gamut that's right <laughs> well like, you know what it's also been really really cool to literally listen to um, so many of our friends and knowing that we all kind of were on a similar path at one time or another, but you know, that the whole stigma of like, you know, are you performing as mm -hmm. um, Glenda in Wicked today? Correct. Or, or are you off choreographing for some cruise ship or whatever? It's been so reassuring just to hear everyone's like life story and like no matter whether you're performing or not, it's, you still have like creative uh, things in your life that help you uh, in your whatever job you're doing or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
so it's just been kind of it's been kind of humbling to listen to everybody's story and and quite honestly after the fucking pandemic oh, um you know so many people just kind of had to rethink what is happiness and what is my life a hundred percent um anyways debbie where are you from where am i from i am a native washingtonian my friend are you from the dc i am from the dc so did you go to school in dc no so i was born in the district but i have a wacky little background so um wacky's good wacky you know because we're all a little wacky um Basically, I was uh, tossed around from home to home and had eight sets of parents by the time I was five. And then I was adopted and out of Maryland, believe it or not, and then moved with that family to Northern Virginia. So I grew up in Fairfax County over in the Lake Barcroft area. Um, interestingly enough, I went to Jeb Stewart High School and the little tidbit about that is that that was the first school that was like when all the renaming of everything happened, it was uh, the first one in the national headlines because uh, Julianne Moore went there <laughs> and she spearheaded it. <laughs> really? Yeah. And Bruce Cohen, you know who he is? Yeah. Yeah. So the two of them were graduates of my high school pre me. But um, oh my God, that's hysterical. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Did you did you know that you I always use the word twirly. Where did I get the word twirly from? I don't love know. it, though. Did you always know growing up that you were a twirly and you just wanted to put on lashes and go on the stage? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, you know, that that gets into a lot of psychological things from being an adopted child. And, you know, that that applause really went a long way. Um, so. Yeah, I did. I started actually in my church. I grew up at the, um, it's a historic church downtown in DC called the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church. And Lincoln went there. It's a president's church. And we actually had a huge stage and performance hall. And I got involved in children's choir and we actually put on big um, full-blown productions, but we did like Gilbert and Sullivan and we would do the Mikado or we did children's things like it's cool in the furnace. And that's where I first discovered my um, love for the stage. And you got bit by the bug. Got bit by the bug at my church. Uh, you know, I think that happens a lot. I mean, I know for me, I was directing plays. At, you know, I don't know why I thought I was some sort of director at the <laughs> age of blah, blah, blah. For you. But, you know, at the church, I was like, okay, King Herod, you're going to enter here. Yes. And we need you to be in a fierce cape. You know. Good for so, you. I was like, Corky from uh, Waiting for Guffman, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had this innate thing because the stories and the music in the church was so dramatic. So completely because, you know, that Bible, that, that little book is pretty powerful. Yeah, you've got all these dramas of how Christ was, you know, um, uh, Hunt, hunted when when they were hunting down all the kids to kill them and he had to hide in Egypt and mm -hmm. there's just drama all through the passion of the Christ so much drama um so yeah I, I wrote I think I think I well, yeah, I wrote eight different passion plays and directed them Did you? as if I really knew what it meant to be how <laughs> old were you I was probably late teens early 20s oh wow okay 
that's older. I mean, I started really little, actually. You know, it was like a children's choir, and then I just grew through the stages. And then we started doing it in school and the community. And there were all kinds of things. I was fortunate to grow up in the D.C. area because the performing arts community is so large. Um, they had, you know, the Lions Club had vocal competitions and and um, American Legion. Like, I would just go sing. I just kept, I'd go sing and win contests and then did school plays. And I was like, I'm doing this much to my parents chagrin because they were complete academics and academia. Um, so I was fortunate cause I got both. I got culture and education. Yeah. Did you always know that you were going to maybe go to uh, a performing arts college? No, because that, that was a, um, kind of a bone of contention as it probably was within a lot of households. Yeah. Um, you know, why are we going to pay that money so you can get a piece of paper that says you can sing and dance? Um, right. As opposed to please go to UVA, please go to UNC Chapel Hill, you know. Um, but no, so this is a story um, which at the, the prehistoric times that I attended that college it was Shenandoah College and Conservatory of Music there was no SU it had not been born yet um and they actually had a program called the advanced admissions program and you went the summer between your junior and senior years of high school and you know you had to audition to get into the program and apply and all that stuff and then you went and you actually took I can't remember. It might have been three, somewhere five, but I think that's too many. Three to five classes, like college courses that they teach at the school. Um, and you took them over the summer. And at the end of the summer, you got to audition for the school. Huh. And so I was accepted by Mr. Herman before my senior year of, of high school. That's kind of cool. It's really neat. It does. The program does not exist anymore. Um, but that's how I got into Shenandoah College and Conservatory of Music. I mean, outside of orientation and things like that, it I would think it would also give you a little bit of confidence, familiarity with oh, the, the place. Absolutely. And, and I got to tell you, though, but when I went there that summer and my mom has perfect pitch and she's a pianist and. I played flute. I did other things, you know, in the music. I played the handbells. Like I knew music. I knew how to read music. I do not have perfect pitch, but my mother did. When, when I had to go take tests for theory and oral skills, I wanted to run and hide. <laughs> oh my God. Some of those classes. I came I out of that testing for this program crying. <laughs> I remember the one class we had, the history of music, I think. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Music was, theater history, right? No. No. Music theater, theater was, was fun. It was it was the history of music. Remember oh, that? God, and they would, yeah. they would like drop a record and oh. like hear, and you, I'd be like, I don't know who that is. No. I, <laughs> I remember hands going on the piano where you can't see them because they're behind the piano and the, you know, you're in front of it and they would just Plop their hands down, Mr. Black, hands down. What's that chord? Oh, that's yeah. a G minor thirteen. Make my uh, what? Right. I, yeah, those were the those were the horror stories of those days. Things like that because my ear just didn't work like that. Right. 
And we're all thinking to ourselves, um, we're not going to really need to know this when we're in the cast of Joseph. Right. right. But ironically, on occasion, building certain chords, you do. Well, you know what? Ironically, through the pandemic, uh, teaching private piano online uh -huh. over Zoom, my theory became kind of my crutch because I could explain things a little bit more academic. Right. No, that makes total sense. Because their hands aren't right there next to you, so you can place their fingers or whatever. Yeah, totally. Well, I don't, yeah, I didn't have to even like watch their fingers or even watch them on the screen. I could, I would put myself on mute and play along with them and I could figure out anything they were doing and explain, oh, you're doing this wrong or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because so you're gifted. <laughs> So, so Debbie, you, you did say you went there the, the summer between your junior year and, and senior year. How did you find out about SU? I know it's not that far away from the DC Metro, but what was the way that you kind of heard about it? Honestly, my mother found it. Really? Yeah, it wasn't me researching, um, you know, because they were intent on me going to like UVA or whatever, and I could sing there and dance there and, you know, get a communications degree. And then it was my mom that found it, believe it or not. So, and do you? There were only like five programs in the entire country at the time. Really? Because this was in the 80s. So, literally, there were like five in the entire country where there's like 500 now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe. I, I think that's. It's so specific that. It's. Yeah. You know, once once the American Idols and all that stuff started, every school wanted to get a program. Well, I have to say, I kind of liked the title Shenandoah College and Conservatory. I loved it. And the logo was beautiful. And it's just very classic and old school and and <laughs> having swag from back then where it says Shenandoah Conservatory, like. Yeah, it felt more special. Not to, to slam anything, like I don't, and I, right. I have SU haters going to come after me, but you know, Shenda University just feels kind of like Amazon. <laughs> I agree. It's just, it's just you know, because it's just, it's my daughter just graduated and it's like Shenandoah University, but you were in the conservatory. And there's still a big distinction between being one of the quote unquote college students being versus being a conservatory student. Yeah, I sometimes, I think, probably mistakenly say things like, oh, I went to Shenandoah University and Conservatory. <laughs> no, I still say I went to Shenandoah Conservatory. Right, right. <laughs> because, yeah, that's what because it was. To make sure that they know I was in Candy Reed's tap class. Oh, my God. Candy Reed, Miss West Virginia. Yes. I wore one of her gowns because I did apple blossom. I was, <gasps> I was oh an my... apple blossom princess. Oh, you were? I was. You know what? There is, is there anything that compares? I mean, even the cherry blossom festival doesn't seem quite as, I don't know. The apple blossom festival was a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal. The difference in being part of the festival and being a student enjoying the festival is vast. Yes. <laughs> we had I, I rules and regulations part. and chaperones and 
I was never a part of. I was always just an enjoyer. Good for you. <laughs> and But when Candy found this out after you had shared the news to everyone, she said, I have a dress for you. Oh, yeah. Well, so I was there with Michelle Talent. And Michelle Talent grew up in in Candy Reed's studio. And she had done the whole pageant circuit. So she was tight with Candy already. So we had a girl's day in Candy's closet. Oh my God, that's so fun. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we love Candy's class. Uh, just a side note, she was pregnant with another one of her children. Oh. Teaching tap. And was tapping right till like delivery oh, yeah. day. Well, hello, I, I was in a show until Kayla was born. I think it was just we were all watching her and getting nervous at like the flaps, you know? Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, oops, there goes the water. Right, right. <laughs> Any moment and that wood floor, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you have Sally Neff? No. No. Because, oh gosh, my memories of her with the moxa sticks and the blessings and, but she was a phenomenal teacher, but you know, she was into, you know, the whole natural methods and, and. Um, Where are the moxa sticks? Oh yeah, so they clean the air, and you know it's like you know smoking the sage. Sage. Yep. Oh, I love that. Well, that was probably just to clear the stink from college boys dancing. That is very possible. <laughs> <laughs> very. I kind of, I kind of believe in a little bit of that mysticism, even though I don't practice it as much as I should. Oh, I do. I really yeah. do because I I mean I have many stories throughout life that are very symbolic that are are right up that alley. Yeah. Yep. Well, when you um when you were at school, did you also partake in the summer? I did. Stock? I was season three. Wow. Of Shenandoah Idol. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um I did I did one summer. That was the only summer I did. It was the summer between my freshman and sophomore years. Did you know Craig Myers? Oh, wait, I just lost you. You said that, that's the only summer you did. And then it I sound like someone may have been calling Debbie on the phone. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm right here. What, um, was the, what were the shows? Oh, God, we did um, Sound of Music, Bye Bye Birdie. Um, um, <laughs> oh, boy. But well, Craig Myers was uh, a performer? Yes. Did you know him? No. Okay, you know, I I only bring that up because he just passed, and so we're gathering in two weeks. Oh gosh! Yeah. And we had Michelle's thing last year. Oh gosh! Was the third show Fiddler? No. Oh no, it was not. It just seems that they did that every like. Couple I know of years. they did, and I've done Fiddler five times, but it wasn't there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I've said this, but Fiddler is like in my book, one of the most perfect shows ever. Oh, I agree. No, one of my favorite roles truly was Hava. Yeah, there's something about it. It's so relatable from mm -hmm. beginning to end. Every scene and every song is like perfectly written. It is, and it's just poignant and it's historical yet yet um, touching. Um, it's, it's always unfortunately timeless. If you even look at like the Ukraine and everything. Yes, that, that's a perfect word for it, Stephen. You're, you're right. Remember when uh, John Priest? Remember when I was in like, with him. You were. I was. I, I, we never saw John perform, but everyone would talk about his Tevia. He is, he is the quintessential. 
Yeah. Quintessential and so honored that I got to do that show with him. You remember John Stevie? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, and his wife at the time. Yeah, she was bartending at Burnbray. <laughs> at Burnbray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And she passed before he did. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Stevie all often always make um, a comment about how basically, I mean, when you're in, in professional theater, yeah, you have friends. And when you're um, in, you know, um, other areas of doing um, commercials and other mm -hmm. like uh, print stuff, that's another thing. But, but there was something about uh, everybody that we ever met or worked with in dinner theater. There was a, a different mentality we all took the, everything so serious, but at the same time, we kind of knew, you know, what it was. We made decent money. I swear to God, sometimes I wish I was just back in dinner theater. I hear you. So one of the things that I was thinking about talking with you guys about was exactly that, this community. I do not believe that there's another pocket in the United States of America that, you know, at one time we tried to count, I think it was 13 dinner theaters. Sure. And they all had their heydays. They all had their pros. They all had their cons. We all know that. But once you broke into that circuit, you never stopped working. Yeah. And that community, I mean, I have personal stories. I'll, I'll tell you a Robert Biederman story. So my very, very first dinner theater show, because I had been doing the cruise ship thing, um, was Lazy Susan, and I did Pirates of Penzance. And I was working um, at a bar downtown, the Gangplank next to the Spirit, and doing shows and rehearsing. And it was December 19th, I won't forget it, only because it was my sister's birthday. I had my own apartment, ironically, a block from the West End, and I came home from Monday night on a rehearsal night and I had been robbed blind <gasps> the week before Christmas. And I oh lived, my God. And I live, I mean, down to, down to the bottle of absolute vodka that was in my freezer. Oh, no, 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 Seriously. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, struggling. I didn't have renter's insurance. I was a dumbo. Um, and then I'd been up all night. I called my dad and the police and all that and been up all night, no sleep, went into work the next morning. They're like, hey, it's winter time. We're really slow. So we're going to lay you off. So I'd been robbed blind and I lost my day job. Oh, my God. Got down to the Susan. It was Christmas time, obviously. And you know how we all do the secret Santa thing. And we had the party and did the thing. And at the end of the night, Robert, who was playing Santa, um, called me back up on stage and he's like, um, Santa has a special present for you. And I was like, what? this is crazy. I just got my present like everybody else. And they're like, well, we understand you've had a really rough week. And he handed me an envelope. And in that envelope, see, I'm going to cry right now, was a thousand dollars cash that the cast and crew and the owners had pulled money to help me. Oh my God, that's so amazing. And then, I, I mean, I will never forget that and I will forever be grateful. And then I fast forward a couple of years and you know what happened with Rob McQuay and right. the entire theatrical community up and down the East Coast 
came running to support one of their own. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that I've made some of the best friends I'll ever make, both from SU and from dinner theater. Those are the people that I still spend my time with. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. Um, and it's inexplicable, but we all just went from theater to theater to theater. You know, if if Toby's was doing Forever Plaid, oh, you know, I didn't have a job the next round, so I had to go over to Burnbray or I had to go down to West End. Or, right. You know, but they were all professional theaters and we all cut our tooth hard. Well, and you know. Teeth hard. I mean, I think about my own personal, and I know that you do too, but like thinking about the fact that like, oh yeah, remember we used to drive into Burnbray and the cabanas were still there and we would sneak into them and like these four shows. And one night, one day I was like laying out, getting a suntan, like up on the tennis courts. And the time that we, if you worked at Lazy Susan, you had to like rehearse over in the barn shed yeah. part. And mm -hmm. you know, all these unique, quirky, crazy things that, you know, at one point you would think oh, I would probably never be working up at a place that has cabanas. Oh, absolutely. But and uh, then, and yeah. then, go ahead. And then you just kind of fall in love with this sort of, um, this sort of thing that's drilled into you at college, which is like you're just in boot camp always. You just got you just go in, you do your job, and you realize that it's a really good. I mean, some of the shows at Burnbray were like completely like I remember Crazy for You was like the original choreography. Yes, by Susan Strong. I mean, they're legit, legit shows. We did the Seven Brides for Seven Brothers was the original choreography. Yeah, insanity, yeah. insanity. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, the Shenandoah program that I was under, the differences then to now are, are very different, but not. Um, but I feel like we got a very well-rounded, like we did, we learned how to build Freddie the Flat and we had, what, 50 hours of running time. You know, you had to do so much crew work on top of your classes um, in every department. So part of me feels like, you know, when I needed an extra buck, I can go build a set. I can paint a set. I can go run uh, some nights if I need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So because well-rounded, um, prepared for the industry in that form. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not banging the school because I love the school, but I don't think I was prepared for what New York what it was like to really go and do it in New York. I I, I know that I wasn't either. Um, for for yeah. a, a plethora of, of training, that's a whole nother curriculum basically. And honestly, I don't think that I would have been as fortunate enough to have been blessed with the theatrical um, family I have to this day if I had somehow stayed in New York. I hear you, I hear you, I agree. Um, um, so there's because, a huge community of us up there now, you know? <laughs> yeah. But there is um, something special about the DC family. Yeah. And that's, that's just what I kept saying. It's this community. It's a very unique, special, atypical, non-typical circumstance. And so that was the other thing you stayed employed and you made enough money. I remember the first time some of our contemporaries got into Broadway shows and I'd be having conversations with them and they'd be like, um, I was making more money at the Burnbray 
Yep. Able to do my show because now I live in New York and I'm only making this because I'm in the ensemble and um, I got to pay New York taxes and New York rent. And like I was making more at the Tobys, you know? (laughs) Um, So again, very unique. Now the thing (laughs) that I actually segued into was I got involved in television and film and went union that way because again, the DC area, very unique area at one point it was called called Hollywood on the Potomac really oh yeah I mean there was so much television and film happening here and anybody that was a performer in the area and a lot of a lot of our gang we all worked on films yeah. um, and then I started auditioning for actual TV shows and I mean I auditioned 13 times for homicide and then I got cast wow you know. 13th time, but they kept calling me in. They kept calling me in. Um, Same thing with West Wing. I think it was like seven or eight or something like that. But again, it's the same drill. Even if you're doing Broadway, it's like, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going back. You've got to keep trying. You never. Let me ask a stupid question since I was never cast. Oh. (laughs) Um, So let's, let's, let's just say a typical West Wing thing. Yes. Where do you, where do you actually drive to, to be, Film. There's no like studio warehouse yeah. spaces. Is it? They just have a. a it's location. That- it's location shoots. Yeah. So it you know if you're um, uh, a reporter, then you know you're outside the Hay Adams Hotel, you know, asking a question, or right. you're, you're inside the what is it, the Ronald Reagan Building at a ball, you, you know, or you're inside the airport being the bartender and they kind of um have to um arrange payment for any of those places or are they just considered public places um no there's the there's the film commission in every city so they ah. have, oh yeah you have to go through the film commission and you have to get permits and oh there's all kinds of madness that happens i didn't work on the business side of that i was cast as a performer so I was just told what time and where to show up and right. needed to bring costumes or if I was a role, then I was costumed and made up in a trailer. Right. So, That's so cool. Yeah, it, it, it was it was really cool. It really was. Um, and that I think if I hadn't become pregnant <laughs> might have been my path. Yeah. Might have been my path your pregnancy became another aha moment in life. Yes. And, you know, Matt, look at your phone. I just texted you. I know. I just saw the pictures. <laughs> okay. So so that um, was right when Kayla was born. So I had just had her. And that's when I met you guys. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. And I can't find the pictures right now, but I don't know if you remember. <clears throat> she would come... We ha- I had all kinds of childcare issues because <laughs> trying to do this. And she would come to the theater to be dropped off. Actually, Nicole used to watch her. And um, we put all the grease wigs on her, all the different colors, the red, the pink. <laughs> and she was a baby. And I have pictures somewhere of that that's hysterical. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. So I was doing, I had just entered kind of like a real daytime job. I'd done box office. I'd done every children's theater, you name it. I've done it. Um, Dude, can you take a moment 
Stephen, can you take a moment and just describe this photo? Yeah, the photo is of uh, me and Matt are surrounding Debbie with our arms around her. And who else is in the photo? Russell Sunday and David James. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. And this is a production. I was still I was still in Shenandoah when I met you, Debbie. That's right. And I was just doing this in the summer. Oh, was this a summer show? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I and I was then actually. Then we like extended two weeks into the school year. Uh-huh. And I had to just commute between Winchester and Burnbray. You know what? My daughter did that. She was doing Joseph at Toby's and ended up having to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When you're young and crazy, the things you'll do. A hundred percent. But yes. Well, so well, you, she was born and I've, you know, I was still doing shows. And then it started to become like, okay, how do I do this? Cause I had just gotten a job to get insurance. I'd got, I'd gotten the job when I found out I was pregnant. And, um, and I was like, well, my husband's really gifted. I'm talented. He's gifted. So I'll get out. But there's a whole backstory of kind of how I came to what I do now. That's because of Larry. <laughs> Where did you, how did you and Larry meet? Oh, that's a lovely story. So, um, Rob McQuay. Oh, wow. So when he had his accident, I had just finished doing Joseph with him at West End. And during the run, he kept saying, you know, I've got one kid, I've got a kid on the way. I can't keep doing this, even though he was equity, because, you know, again, there, there's not a whole lot of equity work in this particular area. Right. Um, he's like, I can't support my family. I'm going to go to real estate school. I'm going to call my friend, Larry Friedman to come do some shows so I can go to real school, real estate school. And then like all these discussions about Larry Friedman, who had done the role at Petrucci's and Toby's and, um, and everybody's like, don't you know, Jesus? I'm like, I have no idea who Jesus. Is. No. So, um, the accident happens and then we put together the whole benefit and there was, um, the closing number of the benefit was any dream will do. And they said, anybody who has ever done the show in the area, in any production, that's the closing number, but we have to have a rehearsal on this Saturday morning at 9 a.m. at Burnbright. Well, at the time I lived in Alexandria and was working at West End. So had a show the night before, had a kid's show at noon. So drove up from the Alexandria to the Columbia, <laughs> Actually, it was Burn Bright. <clears throat> to the Burton Hill. Yeah. Um, and walked into this rehearsal looking like total doo-doo. And I just heard this voice as the, you know, intro was played. And I was like, oh, my God. And then somebody turned to me and went, that's Jesus. That's Larry Friedman. Because it was this long-haired, skinny guy. And totally not my type that I had ever dated. Um, I was like, holy crap. And then Toby blocked us because Toby put the benefit together. And she literally placed me next to Larry because I was short and I had to be in the front. So she's like, introduce yourself to the person on your right and to your left. So you know where the F to stand Monday night (laughs) at the benefit. And I was just like, uh, hi. Um, 
And then Monday night came and then I came in the black velvet cut down to my navel and hair and makeup beat. And he asked me out to breakfast that night. And we've been together ever since. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we blame Rob McQuay in a good way and in a bad way. <laughs> and Toby. And Toby. <laughs> For her blocking. Yeah. For her blocking. She's the queen of the round, kids. Absolutely. Except we were at the Bray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we met. That's amazing. Of course, then we find out that, you know, we know all the same people. <laughs> I think I got to see Larry perform maybe only once. Okay. And I think I saw his magic self actually in a tour of Superstar. Oh, did you? And I think he was playing Annis. Correct. And I think I may have been in Hagerstown when I saw him. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they played everywhere. It went on forever. Yeah. But that I, was Ted Neely too, right? Yes. He, yeah. We, yeah, but I remember, of course, like um, Debbie just said, you know, you, he, you hear Larry's voice and you're like, uh, have I died and gone right. to heaven? Yeah, so I, I, I wanted to keep it clean. But when that mouth opened that first time, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, well, that's that's the only time. You know, I think so, because I think my dinner theater circuit, like you driving from up and down the 95 corridor. I think I was always doing something uh, and that was the only time I got to see Larry perform. Okay, okay. Yeah, I believe so. Um, well, ironically, so let's bring this back. <laughs> this is so funny. So pre-pandemic, um, a little group, a little trio got together and decided to start putting their own little show together, a cabaret show. And they started getting hired out at a lot of really cool places like the Berger Francois and the French embassy and like private parties in McLean. And hence it was Prince Havely, Gay Willis. Oh my God. And Larry Friedman. Oh my God, that's hysterical. And so one of their bits was Gay and Prince went to Shenandoah together and did their senior recitals together, which, you know, those kids don't do anymore. And um, and then I had gone, so I'm Larry's wife, and then his daughter was going, so at least he, he's an honorary. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the three of them were running around doing that, doing their own cabaret. Is, is Gay here in the area? No, she lives in New York. Um, but Larry and Gay did a unbelievable production of uh, Gifts of the Magi at the studio. Yeah. They've remained friends and they love singing together. And, you know, we are where we are in our ages and, and we're like, we need to sing. They were like, we need to sing. Let's do something. And, and Prince actually had had some contacts and kind of started that way. And it just snowballed. Oh, that's so super cool. Yeah, so so Gay will come down, you know, you know, for a few days at a time, and um, they do a lot of stuff, you know, via the internet and exchanging files and figuring out programming and and conference calls, and then they she comes down and they rehearse and they go do. 
Wow. We actually are scheduled to talk to Gay at some point, right, Stephen? Yeah, we're trying to make it happen. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, so she just, I mean, she literally just re entered and she just did Theater by the Sea this summer. Yeah. Oh, wow. And she returned because she had worked there um, several years ago. Was the first thing that you did when you left Shenandoah was to hop on the uh, boat? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. You know, I started I've... with the Carnival, <laughs> the Carnival Cruise Line. Oh, really? Yes. And oh, boy, cruises are so different now. Wow. Um, yeah. Four girls sharing two sets of bunk beds in one room. Yeah, that was fun. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then you get shipboard duties on top of performing. Like, you know, the, it, it was slave labor. Um, so wow. I couldn't have said the name of the line, but anyway. Um, and then Spirit of Washington, I was on the inaugural year and I worked my way up with that and became the dance captain. And then I became the assistant entertainment director. Um, and that was, that, that was the spirit? Yeah. Are they still around? I believe they are. Actually, I know they are, but they don't do the shows anymore. It's just uh, the bands and dancing. And we had live band and we did we did our own solos so that we were doing um, contemporary and pop and rock. But then there was the big Broadway review show that we did. Right. Um, I remember talking to you, Debbie, a lot because, you know, you were SU and <laughs> I was trying to figure my life out post SU. Aww. And you were like, dude, come here. There is work. You will work. Yes. But, and you mentioned, I remember you saying, between the boat and the dinner theaters, you're going to get in real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, it's, and, and no offense, and you're a boy. Yeah. 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 So, yep. yes. And you did. And you've been very successful. And I'm very proud of you. I well, remember, you know what, Matt? I remember Larry coming to the um, Bray after the show to rehearse music with you so for auditions for himself. Do you remember playing for him? Oh my gosh, now I do. Tonight I do. Tonight I do. Now that I just right. lost that memory. How come I don't have that on my resume? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, I was just like, I was just thinking. I was like, I know you've heard him say, oh, that's how. That's right. That's right. Because you can play the piano. Yep. Yep. It's just amazing. You know, pre all these tracks that are made for everybody now. Right. Well, you know, I feel also like the pandemic somehow like an etch-a-sketch. It kind of like shook up the screen a little bit. And sometimes I, I'm a little bit more blurry than I used to be because me and Steven have been sitting in the living room since like 1998. <laughs> right? I do hear that. Yeah. Unfortunately, but, you know, my job did not allow for that. I was in it the whole time. Yeah. You were out there in it. Yes. And no. your jo your job didn't care, correct? Because they could nav navigate better with you in person. So he thought, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to understand. So I'm a personal assistant to a billionaire. Oh, nice. And that's the kind of work. So that let me. So believe it or not, Shenandoah training theater training. I was once asked the question a few years ago by um, by another one of our friends, uh, Carol Graham-Lehan. She goes, you know, what makes you so good at what you do? And I said, 
my theater training. Sure. Because in the, in the world of the rich, <laughs> you know, there is no time clock. There is no, the, there is no, no. Right. Um, there is no pandemic because there are private planes and there are yachts. And so when Larry was on tour, I would go visit when I could. Because again, those were the days that if you didn't put in a conflict, you couldn't miss a show. Right. That doesn't exist anymore either. Um, and I, because he was on the road with several celebrities, you know, I would go hang out with the wives and, and we'd get talking and somebody, you know, Carl's wife would pull out their their plans for their new house. And what do you think about this? And what do you think about that couch? And I think from a design perspective and being a creative person, I just had a knack for these things or, oh, how do you do this? Or I need that. And I would run and go get it. And like I started, I fell into this accidentally through helping out what were my friends that happened to be celebrities. Right. Okay. Um, and then I was in it in DC and then Larry got called to go do a very special production of superstar out in LA. And it was with um, all the originals. Carl had passed away, but Ben Vereen came back. So it was Teddy and Ben Vereen and Jack Black was King Herod. And um, oh my it, God. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> Von Elliman and Barry Denon. It was the original cast, basically. Um, and then, oh gosh, what was his name? My name is Michael. I got a haircut. What was his name? Um, I'm trying to think. I can't remember his name, but he was a, a star and he had like one of the biggest shows in Vegas. He was Simon. But anyway, it was only red carpet. It was only Hollywood celebrities. Right. And um, so this is the kind of story. So um, that was right after what happened. There was no more there. There were liquids that were a bomb on a plane or something. And so Teddy was supposed to fly in and. Larry had been standing in for the rehearsals and then Teddy's like, I'm not coming. I'm not getting on an airplane. Because wow. Happens to have a fear of flying. So <laughs> the producers who were very big time producers were like, what do you mean you're not? Um, and it became my job. I ended up because I was close friends with them, but I had, an avenue for the private jet industry and things like that, I was able to get Teddy there. And then all of a sudden I became the celebrity liaison for the entire thing for all the celebrities. Wow. So then so I almost am, like the company manager. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. 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 Kind of. So, um, yeah, but it was, you know, my job to get them from the airport, my job to make sure they were fed, my job to get them to rehearsal on time, my my job to shove them on stage because they were in their dressing room, you know, hanging out. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I fell into this personal assistant thing. And then I got a phone call from an agency, a celebrity agency in L.A., 
saying that they had a job for me in Baltimore. And I was like, what? Wow. <clears throat> and he's not tied to the entertainment industry, but he is a billionaire and it is that lifestyle. So again, being able to memorize when you watch the movie, Devil Wears Prada, you know, that is my job. Yeah. And it's the cars and the planes and the yachts and the travel and the gift buying and wrapping and making it happen, turning on a dime, changing your schedule 14 times a day. You know, it blows up. Um, and I believe that why I can do what I can do is all those years of having to learn the lines, having to, the discipline and the protocols and the um turn on a dime because, you know, so-and-so fell and broke their leg and, oh my God, somebody took um, Sudafed and they were allergic and now the lead's down and you got to go on. And all those intricacies of what we think is second nature yeah. is not for most people. Yeah. Well, I tell my kids, my kids' parents all the time, if your kid does not do theater uh, as a profession to make money, these skills that they're learning in my class today is, is the only subject that they will ever have that combines every single subject. A hundred percent. And we teach that too. Yeah. Because everything you do is relatable to something else completely off the stage. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so much that people don't understand. And that's, you know, that can lead to a whole nother discussion about, you know, arts and education that, yeah. um, I mean, I even did, I don't know if you've heard of the Mozart effect. So when you're pregnant, they tell you to, and at the time, because this is the technology that we had, I had a little single CD disc player and they had, put together these compilations of Mozart music and you press it and you take the little headphones and you put the headphones on your belly in utero. And it helps. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she would start kicking and being lively with the upbeat and then it would calm her down at night and it teaches, it, it stimulates the brain into um, intelligence. Right. Even before they're born. Right. Is that the ba baby Mozart stuff? Yes. Yes. I remember that. I did that. Wow. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Kayla never had a chance. <laughs> yeah. Cause she had music pulsing through her little skull from. Yeah. And I was in, I was doing Oliver while I was pregnant with her, you know, and those are the fun things, you know, for those of us that have been, you know, performers and pregnant and, you know, finish the show Sunday night, you get Monday off, you go back in on Tuesday and get ready for the show. And then I've got like a 10 second, 15 second costume change. And I go out and my dresser's there waiting to rip off, the, put me in the next costume and it doesn't fit. Oh my gosh. And then you get duct taped into your costume. Of course. <laughs> well, you know, Debbie, just meeting you and having yeah. you in our lives, uh, after we met, you always seemed like you were like a renaissance person. You always had such self-confidence about everything you did. And oh. you always, I mean, I don't know if it was Tina or someone, but there was always someone saying, go ask Debbie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to this day, <laughs> to this, that's funny because, you know, I think a lot of performers, that's a, um, that's a facade. 
Yeah. You know? um, I think that that was probably a facade, but I just, I've picked up so many things doing because as a starving artist, you do whatever you got to do to pay the rent. And I did have a very good, solid, wonderful education growing up. So I had some smarts and then I had a bunch of experience. I'm one of those people that knows a lot about a little, a little dangerous, you know, and then that let, you know, we didn't even talk about Rasputin, you know, that was a whole nother um, saga. <laughs> I, I said to Steven just took this morning, I said, we were kind of like laying in bed. We, we call our, we call our bedroom the hotel room because during the pandemic, it felt like we just were going to go to the hotel room and act like we were in a hotel. Aww. Um, and I said, Steven, do you remember sitting in Debbie's car and like listening to this amazing score right. about Rasputin and uh, Ted Neely was going to yep. be Rasputin. And one night he like walked into the burn bray and I like pooped myself. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, that score is effing brilliant. Um, it, it went through dramaturges. It went through funding and then we had all this money and, then the guy died the day we were signing the contracts and then we started over. Well, it's, you know, it, it, they tell you how long it takes to get a Broadway show to Broadway. Well, now, unfortunately, um, society and the world has changed enough that I believe that there would need to be some rewrites done. Right. Um, because there's, there's subject matter in there that would need addressing. Right. Um, and then the whole problem is because I'm still in touch. I mean, believe me, I went through the fundraising. I went through producing. I was the casting director, like all that stuff, which was a whole nother whirlwind. Why wasn't I like an agent or something? I don't know how, because they didn't have the program at SU. Let's bring it full circle. Right. That my daughter got. Right. Uh, so. But I do think that there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this that owe you a residual check. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I did cast a few people I knew, um, but, but that's beside the point. No, but that's, see, do you hear the excitement in my voice when I talk about that stuff yeah. versus um, trains, planes, and automobiles? Um, I do it because I'm good at it and it provides a really nice lifestyle to provide for my child, you know, but my passion still and always will be the theater. Yeah. So this is a question that bridges to the next subject, which is your daughter. Okay. So I, I, we hope to interview her. We'll separately talk to you about how to get in touch with her and everything. Okay. okay. Um, because I just find it a fascinating story between the two of you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so at, at a certain point after she gets the artistic bug, and starts thinking she wants to be a performer. I'm sure part of you is like, girlfriend, no. Oh, we went through so many renditions of that. And again, community, this particular area, this. Um, she started dancing when she was three, but she was dancing at Bobby Smith Girls Studio. Right. And Bobby Smith Boy was one of her tap teachers. Wow. <laughs> um, and so she got, and she got bit early. And then she was in her first show when she was five. Um, and then I started taking her to New York. 
and she started getting things when she was five. Wow. Um, and then she was called back. There was this big thing with Disney and um, her agent, she had an agent at five. But it wasn't you? Well, I was the manager. Let's put it that way. Okay, <laughs> you know, we had, <laughs> I was the manager, but then we had a New York agent. And there was this big Disney thing and it was a big secret and none of the casting directors or the agents, nobody knew what it was because it was all secret, secret, hush, hush, but there were their clients being called in. So we'd been through a couple of rounds and then all we knew is that Kayla was cast and she needed to come up to the city for her costume fitting. And the night before we were supposed to go up, what happened? She lost her front tooth. Oh. oh, so I call the agent and I'm just like, I we're screwed. I'm so sorry. She's like, no, no, no. Get up here. I've got a dentist. He's on speed dial. We are going to get a false tooth made and she'll be good to go. Oh, my God. And that's when I said no. Mm. Because Larry, he's a whole nother podcast, but he was kind of a child star and had his own national television show when he was 12. Wow. And he missed school. So he was doing commercial. He was doing a lot of things at a very young age. And he's like, I don't regret it, but I regret it. Right. And he was really the impetus behind no. He was like, I want her to grow up normally. She can do whatever she wants around here, you know, but we're not playing this back and forth to New York every other day. And yeah, we're going to get you a dentist to get you a fake tooth because you have an audition or you have a cost, whatever, whatever. He's like, that's too much on a child. Yeah. And I went through a certain amount of that and I don't want that for her. And if she takes to it and if this is what she wants to do later, great. We will help her and support her. And so that's how it turned out. And so she did. She worked professionally here. And um, her first show, she was nine at Toby's. She did Brigida and Sound of Music. Wow. And then she did both uh, versions of White Christmas as the, there's only one kid in the show, the daughter. Um, so, yeah. So she did a lot of stuff here. And then, oh, again, our community. Wizard of Oz was coming to town, the tour. And there was an ad that went out, we need a dance troupe, you know, a local, like they did Joseph with the kids choirs. Mm -hmm. um, and it was networks. So I called our friend at networks and I said, hey, uh, my daughter happens to be in a dance studio and hey, what do you think? And they're like, bring them to the audition. Well, next thing you know, that group was chosen. And so they were in the tour of Wizard of Oz when I think she was like 12. Amazing. You know, uh, but, it, and Robert Biederman was in that and he made them a cake. <laughs> oh, of course he did. <laughs> so, I mean, again, this community, you know, it, it, and, and that's a whole nother thing. I mean, you know, all those touring companies are here. Right, right. That's right. So when, when she started to think she wanted to go to college for performing, mm -hmm. did you throw out the S word or did you, you know, and I don't mean shit, 
I mean, <laughs> so this is the best story. And it'll be interesting to hear her version. Um, so we decided the summer between her junior, no, I think it was her sophomore and junior year. I don't remember. One of those summers um, to start taking the college tours because now there's like a hundred flipping programs and we had always been taught, you know, go get a vibe, you know, see if you like it, see how you feel. So I was doing this Southern tour and yes, I threw out the SU word and she said, absolutely not. Yeah. And I said, why Kayla? And at the time on whatever listing, I said, it's number eight in the country. If you're serious about this, there's no reason you shouldn't go visit it. I'm not going anywhere. My mother went because she's grown up being Debbie and Larry's daughter. Right. And she's like, I need to create a path for myself. And I respected that. And I said, I do respect that. But take a look. Yeah, because guess what, honey? The school your your mommy went to ain't the same school it is now. Exactly. And and she was like, no. So we were on this little Southern swing and we were doing JMU and we were doing Elon and Coastal Carolina, a bunch of schools. Well, she fell asleep in the car. And I drove to Winchester. <laughs> And she got, I woke her up. I said, we're here. She's like, oh, where's that? And I was like, she was like, absolutely not. You are wasting their time. So the story goes, she ends up falling. We go on the little tour and have the orientation. And she literally told the tour guides, the admissions people, she goes, I'm not going here because my mom went here. But we all took a liking to each other and we're just chatting and chatting and having the best time. And then the tour's over, everybody leaves. We sit in, in, well, it used to be the student center for when I was there, but now it's admissions. Um, talking, they're like, don't leave, don't leave. We wanna hear stories. We, we wanna keep talking to you. Well, she loved it. <laughs> and then she got torn. She's like, I'm still not going there. I'm not going there. And Matt, I, I don't know if you know these statistics these days, but for girls going into MT, it's um, you need to apply to between 10 to 20, Larry will tell you 15 to 20 schools in order to get accepted into one. Oh my God. And so Kayla applied to 16 programs. She got very lucky and she got accepted to four. Wow. And it boiled down to two and it boiled down to Shenandoah and she got into Penn State. Wow. And she was struggling hard because she'd gone to a private school growing up and she wanted that big school football team. I can be on the dance team. I can do MT. I can do it all versus the smaller, more intimate setting. But conservatory program, which she was very attracted to, in addition to what I made reference to earlier, this thing that's now called PALM, Performing Arts Leadership and Management. It's a master in science in performing arts leadership and management. It's the business side of the business. Right. And they have a five-year program. Um, you have to apply uh, your sophomore year to start it your junior year. So mm. you double up your junior year and your senior year. You're taking 
graduate courses along along with your MD program course. Right. Um, so that you only have one more year. So she graduated with her BFA in musical theater in 2020. That's a whole story you can get from her uh, pandemic graduate, um, but was already in the Palm program. So that whole next year where she thought she was going to lose out on a year in New York, she didn't. And then she came out with a master's on the business side. Wow. That's so smart. So, yes. So that's, you know, the backup plan B. Yeah. Well, we will, we will ask her about her journey and the, her side of that, that yes. stuff. But I, I find it so fascinating. And she looks like, you know, she's your sister. It's Aww. like a photocopy. Um, ask she probably would cringe to hear that, right? Uh, well, it's so funny because what she was doing, I think she was doing Joseph and she was dancing with David James. She's dancing with my dance partner. And he's like, one night she spun in and I just like, I like stopped in my tracks. Like I thought it was you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Debbie, we could talk to you all night long. Same. And this has been an absolute joy and pleasure. And thank I thank you guys for what you are doing and continuing to do for the community. Absolutely. You know, I think we're kind of collecting like a little virtual uh, yearbook uh, of, the, of the college. It's kind of fun. That's amazing. And there's a plethora of stories and it's, and everybody's journey has its, um, idiosyncrasies and stories and ups and downs. And that's what the industry is all about. Well, it sounds like if anyone has any life questions, they should call <laughs> Mary and Debbie. You got it. And there will be, there will be the pros and cons of, of, of your life choice. <laughs> We've come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Debbie, well, we love you and we love uh, you. don't be a stranger. I'll, I'll talk to you offline about how to get in touch with Kayla. Okay. You got it. hundred percent. Thank you guys so much. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us, Debbie. We had a blast reconnecting with you and talking to your daughter. Of course, that comes tomorrow, but you'll hear all about it and her version of the story as well. Um, so thanks. We love you, Debbie. And can't wait to hang out and catch up in person soon. We do love Debbie. And, and this is exhausting. This is what we always say is, hey, let's catch up. And remember that one time mm -hmm. uh, someone had passed away in the uh, burn break with well, a dinner theater family going back to the community. And Phyllis Goldblatt, I yep. think, had died. And John Kinnaman had a party and a celebration of life. And then Toby did it again. And I and, for Rick Stoller. Yeah, and why don't we keep doing that? So let's. But, but without the death. Uh, right. Let's let's try to maybe maybe me, you, and Debbie can plan an event that we can find sponsors for. Debbie, if you're listening, and once a year Debbie have a celebration for life for the theater community. Yeah. That doesn't involve giving out awards. Yeah. Love that. Huh. That's a great idea. Um, well, so, you heard your, you heard, haba daba, haba haba haba. I just got home from rehearsal and I'm all jacked up. Um, you heard it here first, folks. Thank you, Matthew. Um, and my usual uh, end of show speech. If you want to learn more about us, 
You can always visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, under Connor and Smith with an E-R, and also on Patreon now. Um, please go check that out. There's lots of fun stuff there. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. Post it where you post things. Share it where you share things. Please join the Discord discussion. I don't have photos of everybody, but I have some. And the Discord is like a social media for people who don't social media. And your relatives can't see this. So post photos. Say hello to your fellow alum. We also have a late 90s Spotify playlist. But if you didn't go to SU in the late 90s and just want to add a song from when you did go, you can do that too. It's just a Spotify playlist for season five. Um, So yeah, we will be back tomorrow and hear Debbie's daughter, Kayla's side of the story. I was going to say, you know, think of the Discord as like our own personal skiff. It's sort of like a secure place for fun. A skiff. Anyway, just, just kidding. Yeah, I thought you said spliff for a second. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that's a different thing. But at any rate, um, we love all you. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.